Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. In the right corner, it's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa. In the left corner, it's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest on New York's news and talk station 77 WABC. It's time, it's time, Anthony Weiner, that we bring you out of hibernation. One of the greatest um, acting performances ever in the lifetime of uh, cinematic greats. You who starred in Sharknado, Sharknado, whatever the hell that movie was. Sharknado 3. Oh, hell no. Right, but there were five of them. Five of them. That's that. The demand for the sequels was so great. By the way, you could have been so instrumental on the morning of July 4th because they're standing on the beaches of Robin Moses State Park. Spruce Blakeman, the Nassau County Executive Republican, and Steve Ballone, the Democrat from Suffolk. And he, uh, he uh, and uh, Blakeman said, clear the deck, get everybody off the beach. There's 50 of these sand sharks offshore, 200 yards. And it turned out that instead it was a large, harmless fish known as black drum. Fifty black drums that were circulating. But the fear, fright, hysteria, and hype was there. Blakeman turned to Balone. Balone turned to Blakeman. They had drones in the sky. They had helicopters. They had ski guys all over the place, jet ski guys. They had the uh, lifeguards with their binoculars and the white schmutz on their nose, looking out into the drink. And why didn't they tap into the expert of all experts, head of NASA and Sharknado 3, whatever? You stole, you stole that, uh, that show. I mean, there were a number of celebrated performers in there. The greatest singer ever in Germany was featured in that, Mr. Baywatch, correct? David Hasselhoff, yes. That's right, David Hasselhoff. And everyone forgets David Hasselhoff. They remember you were at the controls at NASA as sharks were raining down out of the sky and you on, saved. On, on Washington, D.C. Yes, you saved America, Anthony Weiner, from shark attacks. From, from outer space, sharks right. from outer space. Yeah. So why, pray tell, since John and Margot Katsimatidis, along with Rita Cosby and everyone else on the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion, was screaming, Where's Anthony Weiner, star of Sharknado? Why was he not requisitioned and brought out to the south shore of Long Island, which had five confirmed attacks, many others, and from time to time the lifeguards had to bring everybody in? Danger, Mr. Robinson, danger. I think we're going to need a bigger boat. Let me tell you something. Uh, I just want to take everybody back uh, a blast from the past. This is when Anthony Weiner was up for a... Supporting Actor Award for Sharknado 3 uh, at the Oscars. 
Uh, let me give you some of the key lines. Listen, Anthony Weiner, who uh, was the head of NASA, who was protecting. Where, where did you get this? Oh, it's available everywhere, man. Is it really? They sell it and knock off uh, VHSs on the corner there. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> Pirated VHSs. You, you got to have, like, FX4, whatever, how far you got to get. But anyway, yeah. No, no, John Cachimatitis has watched Sharknado. He, he did. He told me that. Right, right. And everybody, I mean, you were a resource right here. Unfortunately, Blakeman and Ballone didn't realize the unbelievable talent that you exhibited when you saved the world from the shark attacks. The Sharknado wall is going to hit. Let's move it, people. You see that? Wait a minute. That was me. Yes. The Sharknado wall oh, let me hear is going to hit. Let me hear hit. that one more time. Yeah, John. please. The Sharknado wall is going to hit. Let's move it, people. Wow, that's some crisp, some crisp dialogue and, right there. By the way, they were moving, too. They were moving all over NASA headquarters down in Houston, you know, we have landed, we have landed, the mission is successful. That was now, in Houston, now, right? True sh- I think that's right. True Sharknado fans will know this little piece of Sharknado trivia. All of the B-listers, C-listers, or D-listers, whatever I was, that appear on Sharknado, they all get eaten by sharks at some point. No one survives except for Tara Reid, who's the star, and David Hasselhoff, the other star. Everyone else gets eaten. At the end of my scene... A sharp-eyed viewer would notice I did not get eaten. Yes. Setting me up for a potential six, seven, or eight. Of course, sequels. Sequels. Absolutely. It's sort of like the Sopranos ended and everybody was left like, what? (laughs) That's it. Mean Streets ended and everybody said, what? Is that how it ends? Such a great movie? I mean, this is one of the greatest movies of all time. There's Jaws and there's Sharknado. (laughs) I mean, when you think of the genre of shark movies, right? There's Jaws. And there's Sharknado. Five, and, and by five. The way, and by the way, you know when it's going to be on TV because whenever, whoever does it, does Shark Week, which is very popular. Every year they do Shark Week. FX or whoever owns the rights to this dopey movie, they always bust out their Sharknado episodes. And, yeah, I mean, I, I think I mentioned to you, I got my first, my first, um, what do you call those checks that you get when you? Uh, um, um, residual. Residual check, $72. Wow. You see? It's not a bad. It's not a bad gig. Consider. Oh my God! You're still getting residuals. I, I had never heard that. I well, never wait. Heard that there's cut. more. But before we get to that, remember who is the number one fan of Shark Week, as testified by Stormy Daniels in that bungalow in Beverly Hills with Donald Trump. She said when they weren't having sex, fornicating and copulating, what were they watching? Shark Week. Right? Shark Week. <laughs> you in Sharknado. Oh my God! And remember, she said. What did Donald Trump say? Man, those are bad hombres, those sharks, man. <laughs> Remember she said he was afraid That's of the right. sharks. That's right. That's right. Wasn't afraid of MS-13. <laughs> but he said, those are bad hombres. You see, back then, even then, he recently was talking about you, right, in one of his conversations That's that right. were taped. That's right. And even back then, he was critiquing your acting ability Fellow guy, right there in no, Queens. No, no, no. He was talking about he was talking about the sharks, not me on Sharknado 3. Oh, hell no. No, please. He was watching that along with Stormy Daniels in between a sexual relations that we know they had. We know they had. That's, I, please, I don't want to visualize any of this. No, no, it's quite all right. She described his um, ample... No, 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 unnecessary. He's a mushroom, she said. Unnecessary. But anyway. Unnecessary. Let's go to some of the Academy Award-winning performance lines of the director of NASA 
as played by our own Anthony Weiner when you sent in the National Guard to save the Sharks. No, we'll send in the National Guard to protect the shuttle. See, to protect the shuttle. Why would I be sending the National Guard to protect the shuttle? That makes no sense. No, no, it was, was to the protect shuttle on the, the sharks. No, the shuttle. Oh, no, The no, shuttle no. had to go and shoot the nuclear weapon to kill the... That's what I was doing. Anthony, I heard it very clearly. Yeah, Can I hear it, that again, again, please? You were protecting the sharks. No, we'll send in the National Guard to protect the shuttle. See, the shuttle. sharks. The shuttle. The shuttle. I'm protecting the shuttle. Why would I send the National Guard to protect the sharks? I was shooting the sharks. Because you're an animal lover. No, here's, here's the setup. The setup is David Hasselhoff is up in the shuttle. Singing, right? Singing in German, I might add. Talking, he's talking to the shuttle like it's Kit, the car. Anyway, he's, he is up there, and he's, he has to shoot a nuclear weapon into the storm of sharks. And I had to direct it. So we had to send up the National Guard to protect the shuttle? This is incoherent. Yes, it is. That's why it should have been redone to say you were there to protect the sharks. Oh, no. Yes, the sharks. Without sharks, right, our waters would be infested with all kinds of foreign uh, objects that would be spying on us. It's the sharks that keep them at bay. And then this classic line by Anthony Weiner, head of NASA and Sharknado 3. Sir, are we launching? We can't. See? We can't. Are we launching? We can't, says you see? Anthony Weiner. You see? That, okay. was, that was very emphatic. You didn't embellish it. One take. One take. You, that didn't one, need method, you didn't need method acting classes for that. How long have you and Josh been sitting on these cuts? Oh, we watch him continuously. Every time there are shark warnings on the Jersey Shore, down by the Tidewater Peninsula in Norfolk, Virginia Beach, and, of course, all along the south shore of Long Island, which right now people are being pulled in off the beach. There's... There's shark spotting after shark spotting. Did you see Hochul sent in 200 drones? Yes. From the state National Guard. 300 drones known as her staff. But anyway, go ahead. And then, of course. There can't be any more of that. That was it. Oh, no. No, no. There are other classic hits that enabled them to actually nominate you, although you didn't get the Sporting Actor Award that year in the Academy Awards. These lines made you a competitor. Colonel, this is Director Regina. We're not hearing any response. You see that? Is that what it's called, Reject Director Regina? Yeah, you're not hearing any response, which is critical. Yes. I'm telling you, we Anthony. Lost, we lost contact with the nuclear-armed shuttle, which raised the suspense whether they were going to be successful shooting the sharks out of the sky, the space. Let me tell you something. You were so good in Thank that you, movie that they were thinking of replacing William Shatner with his bad rug his bad attitude and the contrarian and curmudgeon that he is with you. Did you realize that? When they were doing a modern version of Star Trek, you were so good as the director of NASA that they wanted to sweep out William Shatner. I'm putting you, Anthony Weiner. I w- yes, I must. I, re- I crushed those five incoherent lines. I did. Wait, I did a good job. Wait, wait there's more. They cannot be. Yes. Curtis, how can it be We took only lines? the best. This was the filet mignon. We left a lot on the cutting room floor. Listen to that final order you gave. It caused everyone to almost shed a tear. It was so melodramatic. Without the fuel tank, how can they retrieve Colonel Shepard? They can't. And he knew that. They can't return. You had to give the bad news as every director of operations that sometimes did, does. Did, you you did, were a bad news bear. Did you recognize the voice talking to me? No. 
That was the third string left offensive tackle to the Washington Redskins. We filmed this in Washington. That was another D celebrity. Excuse me, you called some you football player. You called them what? He was some. He was from what team? The the Washington. You can't say that anymore. At the time, they were. I know Schneider, the crazy <laughs> guy on them. Uh, you can't say the Redskins That's right. anymore. That's what the right. hell is their name? Commanders. Commanders. Oh, what a lousy. It's like the Cleveland Indians. They changed to the Cleveland Guardians. Well, they just did that for you. I understand that, but still, I want the Cleveland Indians. I want Chief Wahoo there. But anyway, I must tell you anyway, that. So there you go. It was impressive. And the other evening on the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion, both John and Rita, simultaneously, it was almost like a chorus of sirens were calling for Anthony Weiner from Sharknado 3 to save the South Shore of I Long Island. I completely blew it. When they were having a conversation, I thought they wanted me to talk about sharks because I represented the waterfront communities of Rockaway and Sheepshead Bay. I had no idea it was because of my previous experience as the NASA uh, administrator who who coordinated with David Hasselhoff in a shuttle to shoot a nuclear weapon so that all of the sharks in space would come down in pieces of shark meat all over the country. And, yeah, I didn't realize that's what they wanted me to do. Oh, the cinematography was so oh, good exactly. as the sharks came raining down. You know the song, It's Raining Men. This was It's Raining Sharks. Hasselhoff was singing it in German. It became the number one hit in all of Germany. As you know, he is the most popular pop singer of all time, Baywatch's own David Hasselhoff, and you co-starred. You had equal billing oh, to him. stop it. I did not. I was so far down. You, you, if, you, if you're not watching the credits as they go by, you really have trouble finding Oh, no, me. we watched the credits, both I oh, wow. and Ken Droz. By the way, our weekend uh, producer from Mamara, Mamara, whatever the hell, who was going out and buying cases of Bud Light yesterday. someone had to sit and watch that scene to cut it into, I got to tell you, whoever that is should get battle pay. I mean, no one should have to sit and watch He's that great. movie. And by the way, let me well, let me critique uh, our bench here at WABC that had an opportunity to rise and shine over the course of the last 10 days. Uh, our own Dominic Carter, who's been here longer than you, Anthony Weiner. He was with us at the old WABC Accumulus. He almost got wiped out like the rest of us. We would have had to learn to speak Cantonese or Mandarin. If, in fact, Cumulus had its uh, desire to sell the most iconic coal-leaded station in the nation, WABC, to some red Chinese operation behind the Great Wall of Red China, we would have been doing propaganda for the red Chinese, for President Xi, for life. <laughs> and instead, John Katsimatidis, Margot Katsimatidis, and yes, uh, Presidente, our Capa de Tute, Chad Lopez of uh, Red Apple Media, our parent company, came to the rescue, bought us saved us off the ash heap, and started developing a bench, not only the guys and gals who had been doing talk radio for years, like Sid for 25, me for 35, but gave a lot of people an opportunity. There was first Frank Morano. They had him warehoused at AM 970, The Answer. They, in fact, cut into the one time a week they would give him a program and say, we have to do a half hour of the Lutheran hour, and then you can continue afterwards. What an insult at like 3.30 in the morning. So he got his opportunity to do The Other Side of Midnight. Now he's a nationally syndicated radio talk show host across America with people wanting to syndicate with him. KMOX, the monster station out in the Midwest. When I was syndicated at night, I wanted KMOX. I couldn't get it. He's almost on the cusp of getting it. But you had a chance to substitute for Frank. And I must tell you, I listened that first hour and one thing about Anthony Weiner, you learn a lot. I learned that based on the number of deaths 
of overdoses in the United States, we don't have a daily tote board. We don't know by the day, by the week, how many of our fellow Americans are overdosing, whether they're on pharmaceutical pills, whether they're on the illegal illicit drug traffic, whether it's fentanyl. You're absolutely correct. With such an epidemic, with so many Americans dying, you would think it would prioritize, like, hey, we need to know how many people are hospitalized, how many people are dying each and every day. I learned something there. I appreciate it. And then this morning, James Golden was away on vacation. Dominic Carter rose to the forefront. Wow. He was uh, good. He was he was feisty this oh, morning. Oh, man. I, you know, uh, John Katzmatidis ordered me. He said, get some sleep. I was prepared to get some sleep. I said, let me listen to Dominic. Nine o'clock, talking about shoplifting. Then Ben and Jerry's. I mean, he was on fire. I'm telling you. Yeah, he, he was chippy this morning. Too. The bench has come alive. And that only makes the team that much better. Because it's like irreplaceable parts. Any one person goes down for the count. You could put in Anthony Weiner. You could put in Frank Morano. You could put in Dominic Carter. And we continue to keep ticking as the number one news talk station in the nation. So I salute you, Anthony, your contributions well, and, uh, and this I wanna, past I want to thank you. You and I filled in for Sid. It was nice of Sid to, to let you and me sit in on July 4th. And uh, you carried that program as usual. It was great to, to be there with you in the morning and all the mentorship you provided me. So I'm grateful. It was really great to have the opportunity. No, no, no. we got we got to develop the bench. we got to develop the team. This is a concept talk radio of us and we, not I and me. But up next... Boy, you've been down this road once. I've been down this road many times. Advice for Bill de Blasio and Charlene McRae. We've done it a little differently than we have. I'll say. <laughs> they I went think, in their own directions. I think the kids call it cringe. I think they call it. Right, they pirouetted and said, well, even though we're going to be dating, we're still going to be sharing the same domicile. I'm Look, you're younger than me. Maybe you can explain that to me, Anthony. Well, you know the expression TMI, too much information? Yes. I got a little bit of feeling of that here. That and plus the issue of the week for Eric Adams, a little um, facsimile of what I would call like a mask card, what I have, my mother and father's mask card I keep in my wallet of a friend of his uh, who had died who was a transit cop, and the controversy that it's stirred all that and more. It's like 90 degrees out there in the shade. You're schwitzing out there. So, hey, just enjoy the AC. Keep it tuned right here to 770 AM WABC. You got Anthony Weiner to the left. Yours truly, Curtis Lewis to the right. And Rob Astorino, former county executive of Westchester, warming up in the bullpen. He'll be coming at you from 4 to 5. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest on New York's news and talk station 77 WABC. So as a uh, precursor to Cousin Vinny Madunio coming up from 5 to 6, that's when the real entertainment kicks in. And then his mentor, Cousin Brucey, 6 to 10, and Tony Orlando without dawn, 10 to 12. And then I'm back at it, 12 to 6 to the break of dawn. That's your entertainment block. Right now, I don't know how you took the exclusive interview with the New York Times when Bill and his wife Charlene sat down with them and said, hey, we're breaking up, 
but not in the traditional sense. We're going to be free agents, going to go out there and check out the dating scene. We haven't been available for about 30 years. We raised our two children. They're now adults. But we're going to come back and live in the same house in Park Slope for the 11th and 7th. And a lot of people say, like, huh? Especially people like me. I've been through this multiple times. Uh, You, Anthony, uh, one time. I will tell you this. The difference between you... Uh, me and de Blasio is that for all my marriages, I was always on time. You know, the groom is always supposed to be there before the bride. The bride has liberty to be late. You got married, Ohika Castle. Oh, wow, that's all Frank Morano was talking about, Sid Rosenberg, because he was out there for his wedding anniversary. I talked about how Gary Melius, the owner, got shot three times in the head, (laughs) and they never resolved that outside of his Ohika Castle on a clearly an organized crime hit. Right, but he survived and is still out there running the joint. Yeah, but nobody wants to answer the questions, who did it? But anyway, I digress. So you were on time. Bill de Blasio, they had both their families there. They were both from Massachusetts. Charlene was from Springfield. Uh, Bill was from Cambridge. So they were in Prospect Park, and at the time, City Councilman Sal Albanese told me the story. He goes, you know, Charlene is there. She's like five minutes late. She's a little nervous. She has her family and friends. Bill's family, which is large, Italian, you know, German, they're there. They had their family and friends. Bill was a half hour late for his own wedding. Bill de Blasio. As a a harbinger of things to come. Right, was a half hour late for his own wedding, which, to be honest with you, I've never heard of that. Normally the groom is always there waiting, pacing, hoping that the bride will be there and won't be like the movie, remember, Runaway Bride. Yeah. Oh, man. So now, this is, what can we call it? A new way of making up, to break up, to make up, to live together. Is there any benefits for doing this? Oh, wait a minute. Wait, you are that is not even close to the most interesting or cringy part of the story. Oh, okay. So they they announced that they're doing this in the New York Times. Yes. Exclusively. And the New York Times loves stuff like this, you oh. know, kind of like how liberals are living and whatever. And they try to make everything into a trend piece. So this is a new trend that's happening. But for one thing, it's clear they no longer have any professional PR staff, these two, because it seemed like a very ad hoc kind of interview. Like he is saying, and I think this is almost a quote. I should pull up the story. He says, I knew I might have trouble in this relationship when I married a lesbian. And this is, and then she says, I realized we had a problem in our relationship when this idiot ran for president. Now, like, that's the, more plausible. The, the whole thing. I know, oh, but wait. You imagine her. You want to go where? <laughs> Iowa, where there are more pigs than people with all the scarecrows. And then you want to go to the fish fries in Virginia. I assume in South Carolina and then the casino workers in Vegas. Yeah, and have it, pork chops at a stick at the Iowa State right, Fair. Right, right. We got no chance. What are you doing, Bill? You're Don Quixote. I, I believe her. In that case, oh, more no, than him. I think that all of it is very plausible. I, I also think that it's very plausible that he's like, I knew I would have had problems dating a lesbian. And then he talks about how during COVID he was very emotionally needy. I don't need to listen. I'm in no I'm in the ultimate glass house when it comes to interpersonal relationships and issues around whatever. But this story was just weird. You know what I think has happened? I think the New York Post and one of the tabloids had it in advance. Had her with, out with a woman. Yes. 
canoodling or whatever it is. Yeah. And so they went to the Times to try to put a nice a nice spin on it. But then in this interview, he's like, can you, he says to the reporter on the record, can you put a picture of me in the gym so help me get dates? I mean, the whole thing just was so cringy. Oh, and she was saying, could you print my number? Right. You know, right, I'm a little right. nervous. I haven't been in the dating scene for 30 years. Wow, you're right. I mean, this is... Everything is calculated, calculated, calculated. I guess. I know he's had a rough go of it since he's left as mayor. I've never seen a former mayor have it tougher than this guy. He can't seem to figure out what he wants to do. He had that race for Congress where I was sitting in this room, and I said, I, you know, the moment he announced, I said he's going to get 5% if he gets that much. And sure enough, just like in Iowa, he, he dropped out before he had a chance to start the race. Then he he's like, you know, he... Oh, and the other thing is the pictures... He dyed his hair jet black. He yeah. looks ridiculous. He's yeah, it looks like he put shoe polish in his hair. It's like clearly. He's I'm, a midlife. He's going through a midlife I crisis. Guess, There's I no doubt. And by the way, uh, what's interesting is remember he tried being an adjunct professor at NYU. Right. They rejected him. Then he went back to his hometown, Cambridge. Figure, hey, people aren't going to hate me as much there because I'm the hometown kid who went to New York City to become mayor, just like Bloomberg had originally right. uh, from the greater Boston area. Back-to-back, belly-to-belly, like Bratton, remember, had come out of Boston to become the police commissioner. Except, remember, when he went to Cambridge, he became an adjunct professor, and the kid said, why do we have to listen to him? He was a failed mayor. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's not like his message that he brought. He was... You know, a moderately successful politician, the guy got elected mayor, so he did do that. I think I might have contributed to that, Yes, you did. We blame you for that. Thank you. But I, but then he wasn't, you know, the way he ended with that Iowa thing, he didn't seem like he was very good at politics. And the fact that the, that the city, I don't think anyone was running around saying, oh, Bill de Blouse is the greatest mayor we've ever had or no, anything no, like no. that. He had a corruption from the moment, almost the moment he got into office. So it, it is very cringeworthy, very cringe. Now. I'm looking at it from a political angle. Uh, Originally, before the summer of George Floyd, before the lockdown in March of 2020, there was uh, development because Eric Adams wanted to be uh, mayor. He was told by God he would be mayor, remember, 30 years before, uh, as of January 1st, uh, 2022. Uh, So he was putting all the pieces in place. And there was a meeting at Brooklyn Borough Hall in which Bill de Blasio would endorse Eric Adams, which would be helpful because de Blasio had a lot of contacts with the unions, and it was going to be a brutal Democratic primary, which it proved to be. And that would have been good for her. And the quid pro quo was simply, okay, Eric, you're going to endorse Charlene McRae to become the next Brooklyn Borough president, which in Brooklyn, uh, she could have won at that point. And then the riots, the shooting, the looting, the demonstrations – Remember, he got up on a stage in downtown Brooklyn with Charlene there, spoke to a group, mostly Black Lives Matter. They listened to her. They didn't, they didn't applaud, but they were polite. And then he spoke. And remember, they booed and they turned their back. And I think that's when Charlene recognized there was yeah, also, no chance she had of being a Brooklyn Borough president. Also, her one policy thing when she was first lady was this Thrive program, which was very expensive, didn't have a lot to show for it, and it was also kind of – had a, a had hints of of corruption and mismanagement to it as well, I, but but remember, all of this is our speculation. I mean, you were in the race up to your eyeballs. You were the candidate, the Republican candidate, but it was reinforced by the idea that Eric Adams was one of the only candidates out there on the Democratic side that didn't have a crossword to say about about De Blasio. He bit his tongue every chance. The other oh. candidates, 
the other candidates very often were being pretty critical. And, 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 Anthony, and so it really did, did seem like there was they, they, there they was almost a dragged me off to the last debate stage at Channel 7. Remember, we had to give grades. So I gave de Blasio an F. Right. And then Eric Adams gave this long speech, and they said, what's the grade? And he said, B+. Plus. And then remember, I went crazy. We'll, we'll pull you right over. Why are you crazy, right, B+. Right. Plus? But you're right. He was being nice because he needed that support. He didn't have the union support. He needed Bill de Blasio uh, to seal uh, that uh, union actually, support. Actually, you, again, you have a better understanding of this than I did. I think, you know, Bill de Blasio brings maybe one vote, his own. I, I don't think by the time that no one was standing around waiting to see what Bill de Blasio said or did in that race. But there did seem to be kind of a cooperation with the outgoing administration to make things easier for Adams. And it was presumed that Charlene was going to run for office. And like you said, it was a busy primary. She, you know, um, uh, 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 Kathy right? Garcia, his sanitation. No, no, I, I, I meant it for borough president. Yes. And, like, I think you could have made a very good argument. African-American woman who's moderately well-known, um, didn't carry de Blasio's name, which helped her. And also McRae, which is a good Irish name in, in, in Brooklyn, wasn't the worst thing to have. I think she could have won. But I think you're right. I think the fact that she – and she talks about this in the article. There was no infrastructure to be a good first lady. All I know is it was cringeworthy, and I hope – I wish them nothing but the best, but I, I – um, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next few days we see the first picture of Charlene out with, with the woman. and and Good and point. I hadn't even thought of that. You're right. They preemptively try to get ahead of the curve. Now, up next, it's been spoken about for the last 48 hours, and most people out there do not understand the term of straw donors. So we've seen a number of people who supported Eric Adams, including a former friend of his in the police department, who were arrested by um, Alvin Bragg for uh, straw donations. I think it requires an explanation from me and you because I believe it actually impacted your race 2013 when John Liu was uh, assumed would be maybe the first Asian mayor. His campaign manager and his treasurer went to jail because of, quote, straw donors. And now all of a sudden it's resurfaced. So... People are entitled to know what it means. You know, too often you hear a headline, you're experienced with it, I'm experienced with it. But if there's any more of this, it could be double trouble for Frank Caron, who was his fundraiser, and for Eric Adams, the candidate. As we take it left versus right, we'll let, uh, we'll let you, Anthony, later on dance the horror. <laughs> as the Miracle Mets uh, are back on track, and my beloved Yankees are crashing and burning as we speak. And then in the bullpen, it's Rob Astorino who's going to be coming at you from 4 to 5. And then the entertainment begins all over again with Vinny Madugno, Cousin Brucey, Tony Orlando with Dawn. And then I'm back so nice to do it twice, 12 midnight to 6, exclusively here on WABC. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. Money, 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 money. It's all you think about in politics. Where's the next cash dollar donation come from? Debit card, credit card, check, money order, money order. Uh Uh-oh. Whenever you hear money orders, Anthony Weiner, beware. Money orders could mean that there has been what they call illegal campaign contributions where 
you are actually collecting money in New York City to get the matchable 8 to 1. You get $8 for every $1 you can collect from a city resident. But what is the term that they use for that? Straw. It's straw. So here's the thing. We all believe there should be limits on how much you donate, right? So if someone has $100,000, there are some places you can still do it. I think, I think Illinois, you can still just write a $100,000 check, no limit. But every place else, there's some kind of a limit. So if you're someone that wants to influence a campaign, the reason you have limits is so that one person doesn't have any more influence than, say, $2,000 or $2,500. So we have these limits. But what if you're a guy that has... $100,000, and you want to really get the hooks into a campaign and say, I can raise you $100,000. Well, that's hard to do. you got to find 50 people to write $2,000 checks. Or what if you just give $100,000 to your buddies and just have them write the checks? That is a straw donor. That's illegal. You're going around the, the limits. But in New York, where we have matching funds, it's even more important because you have a much lower limit, and then they match it if you're a New York City you resident and you give someone $100, this taxpayer gives you $800. So if you go in and say, well, I have $1,000, and you go to nine of your buddies and say, I'll write 100 but can you hear? I'll give you the money. Will you go write the, the check? That's called a straw donation. And our system, a lot of good things about it, a lot of good things about it. One of the bad things about it is it really incentivizes people trying to figure out a way to spread their money around to other people. Every campaign has that temptation that's where you always have to really know where the money's coming from and that straw donor scheme is now a very big business it's a very big now we have had cases you mentioned john lou in 2013 a guy named sheldon leffler was a former city councilman who was running for i want to say or president he was for he was running for higher office he never got off the ground but he too had a a shell donation thing and now it seems like eric adams some of his supporters were trying to influence uh, trying to get more influence by having these straw donors. And I saw online that the guy that organized this, that was one of the people arrested, got a $400,000 um, contract from the city to do one thing or another. It is a big problem, and it's serious business. Now, I don't think there's any evidence that Eric Adams or his administration knew anything about this. Usually you don't. Um, but, I look, I, I had a situation, too. I had a bunch of guys... Newsstand operators were supporters of mine, and so they would give me a few dollars at the time because I tried to fight Giuliani when he was trying to get all the newsstand operators off. And they're all named Singh and Shah, and a lot of them had the same names. Sure. And so I had these big fights with the campaign finance board who was saying, no, these guys are going around the limit by breaking up their contributions. It's all the same guy. But um, I would say this. Your campaign, you have to be able to vet every donation. If you can't do that, because you can easily get into hot water yourself. I think even de Blasio had, had problems. With oh, yeah. Well, he had problems every time it came to fundraising. But uh, imagine, remember, the problems he had involved the candidate I ran against, Fernando Mateo. Oh, that's right, yeah. Reichnitz and Reichberg, they were bundling uh, and hoping to get special considerations from the mayor. And uh, there were many accusations that they were also taking in straw donations. And... The reason you take in straw donations is I didn't have to go through this. I had the smallest number of donations of any mayoral candidate. Uh, I was sort of like the Bernie Altacacus Sanders. I had no heavy hitters supporting me. Right. But oftentimes they would say, look, you want Eric Adams to come to your fundraiser? You got to get a minimum of $25,000 matchable. Right. So 25 times 8 
and they say it's worthwhile. And actually, you want to be Mr. Big Stuff. Who do you think you are? You want to be able to, you know, have the candidate into your restaurant or your gathering or your business. And so you go about, and if you're you're having a hard time getting the money up, that's when you look at your employees and you say, hey, Fred, look, you give, you look, you give 250 I give you the cash here right now. Just write a check. What, what, what? Yeah, just write a check. You get him two hundred and fifty. What do you care? Just write the freaking check. Right, right, because the employee gets matched eight to one, and the guy doesn't care. See, this is the problem with the the, the system. These big donors, they're like, wait a minute, I have fifty thousand dollars. Why can't I just give you fifty thousand dollars? And you got to explain to him, no, that doesn't help me because only a hundred dollars out of two hundred fifty dollars that is matched. If you want to ma- if you want to give me the the maximum, you got to go raise me. And the system works that way. They want to have individual New York residents writing the checks, but the incentive to cheat is really big. Well, we go back to 2013. All roads always lead back to 2013. Ironic as it is, we had on the Republican side we had John Katsimatidis running, not the politician, the businessman Joe Loder, who had been deputy mayor for uh, uh, Rudy Giuliani running in the Republican primary. And then remember, Malcolm Smith, they wanted to give him a Wilson Bakula. This was the Democratic state senator, the majority leader of the state senate. And the crooked Republican chairman were taking money in order to give him an endorsement so he could run against John Katzmatidis and Joe Loder, right, the Democrat, try to be like a fusion candidate. Then you jump into the race. You come right to the forefront after you had had left Congress. Everybody said, impossible, he's over. Christine Quinn with the glow-in-the-dark orange Revlon hair was the choice of Bloomberg. She had every editorial board on her side because Bloomberg basically put right. the arm on him. John Liu had a chance to be the first Asian-American man. Running, right, he was running as the lefty. He was running as the AOC before AOC came along, left of everybody kind of candidate. Right, and naturally, anytime you're the first of any ethnic or racial group, there's a tremendous groundswell. He had donations coming in from Asians all over the country. That wasn't matchable, but from the city of New York, which was matchable. And then all of a sudden, they did a deep dive. Right, but you're missing one candidate in that race. Who is that? He's very forgettable. William Thompson. Oh, yeah. Bill Thompson. Who had no money. Well, he was, but he was the city controller. Yes. But yeah, yes. he had no money. No, no he, money. Had, he had plenty of money. He he should have been. Remember, de Blasio won as the black candidate because he had Dante. It should have been Bill Thompson, but Bill Thompson, the nicest guy in the world. Yep. This desk has more personality than yeah, Bill there's Thompson. There's no doubt about that. But here was John Liu. It looked like, whoa, this could be the Asian wave. Finally, there's an Asian mayor in New York City. Uh, he was doing interviews. He was on his way to raising plenty of money. He had with, DC 37. He had the liberal unions. Right. Yeah. And he was raising the matchable funds from uh, Chinese. And then all of a sudden they did a deep dive and they started going to a lot of the businesses and say, Wang Fu, uh, did you make this donation out to John Lu? John who? John Lu. You know, control. Never heard of him before. My life. And they found time and time again. Now, his treasurer took the rap. He went to jail. His campaign manager took the rap. John Liu acted like, I know nothing. You know, like uh, Sergeant Schultz of Starlight 13. <laughs> I know nothing. I have no idea what they were doing. It was F-truth. all down. That, was, that wasn't Starlight. What was it? That was, uh, what show was that? McHale's Na- 
Mikhail's name? No, not Mikhail. Uh, no. Sergeant Schultz. I know, but what show? You said Starlight 13. That's not Yeah, it. I had the German. No. Sergeant yeah. Schultz. I know, but it wasn't that show. Oh, uh, Hogan's Heroes. Hogan's Heroes. All right, Hogan's Heroes. So you got me on that one. But the point was, yeah. I never believed John Liu on that. Uh, his two campaign people took the rap for that. But it is something because they give you matching funds. Now, I believe, and you need to check up on this, Anthony, that matching funds kicks in in statewide elections for the Assembly and State Senate next year. I think that's right. I that think means they they're going to have the same thing, an eight-to-one match, which is going to lead to more attempts to bundle money in this capacity where you have straw donors. Right, but the reason, so our listeners understand, they say, well, why do they have this crazy system? And the reason is... They want it not just to be rich people controlling politics. And if you just want to give a $50 donation to a local city council candidate, it becomes eight to one match. This way, it's supposed to take out big interest out of money and let individual New Yorkers have more influence. That's the good part of it. The bad side, when I ran for city council in 1991, the match was two to one. And then it went up to six to one when I ran for mayor. And now it's eight to one. Eight to one. And uh, that I took advantage of. I had a lot of people just giving five and ten dollars. Yeah. Five became 40. Ten became 80. And we were able to prove. Obviously, you got to prove who these people are. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of paperwork involved. Right. They do spot checks. They call people. They don't just give you the money. Yeah. They do a lot of audits. And by the way, you have to devote a lot of resources of your campaign to managing this system. Oh, you, you absolutely. Can't, you can't just fill out a form every so often and send it in like, like George Santos. You have to really be on top of it. Right. So you get the eight-to-one match. If you don't have two nickels to rub together, it is a real advantage for you, especially if you don't really know the heavy hitters, the people who right. can put together money in packs. So when I was running for mayor, you had Eric Adams had a pack uh, from the charter school people. Then you had Scott Stringer had a pack from the UFT. Uh, Federation of Teachers, uh, PACs, they can spend almost unlimited right. amounts of money. Right, and these are technically they're independent from the campaign. But they're not. But they're trying to help a particular candidate. Like, you're going to tell me the UFT didn't have conversations with Scott Stringer's campaign about the PAC, like they, they did they, it independently they and prob- autonomously. They, they probably didn't have conversations, but there are plenty of ways for everyone gets on the same page. Winking a nod. And Winking by the way, nod. if you, you write, and, and there are PACs supporting Donald Trump, PACs supporting Joe Biden, this is the super PACs that we've read so much about. That's a big loophole. But this... Campaign finance thing that you were able – I would not have got elected to the city council that first time. You probably wouldn't have been no. able to make it to no. the starting line because who knows where Mateo's money was going from, not for nothing. Well, he still <laughs> hasn't f- f- finished his review. He had $2 million. I had nothing yeah. uh, in the primary. Nothing. Yeah. And I crushed him 70-30. Then I had to have money against Eric Adams or it would right. have been an absolute just uh, a wipeout. No, the, the, the system is not – it's a good idea. This Conceptually, it's a good idea, but – but now we have a prosecution of guys that were doing straw donors around Adams. And Adams, you know, having if he didn't have bad news the last few weeks, he's had no news. The guy is just, it seems like everything is turning well, up. Well, let's, let's discuss that one issue uh, in which he was paying tribute, venerating a former fellow police officer that he knew personally. Uh, there was a transit collo- tr- uh, cop when he was, unfortunately, got killed in the line of duty, I believe, in East New York. And he said he always carried a picture around with him. Like in Catholics, we carry mascots. I have one in my wallet from my mother and my father. Plausible, very plausible. And he would take it out and he would show it when he would have discussions. I never questioned it. But apparently the New York Times had gotten word that he really didn't have this or maybe never had it. And they basically made something up like 
a facsimile of what he was talking about. And that he had basically, they had poured coffee on it. They made it look like it was worn and torn and old. And I'm saying to myself, why would you go and do all of that? It's not necessary. We know we know you venerated the guy. We know you honored well, him. Well, but he said the story that I read, and you might be aware, way back during the campaign, he's been talking about having this picture. Yes. And apparently he didn't. Correct. And so they had to go, when someone asked for it, they had to go create one for him. And when asked about this by the New York Times, they were outraged at the idea that Eric, that they were not believing that Eric Adams had this relationship with his fallen officer. But that wasn't what the problem was. No, it was, no, he, he, it was legitimate. He had the relationship. No, he totally did. Right. And so, but when that's sometimes what PR people will do. They'll say, it's outrageous that you hit me with your car. And he said... I had never, ever contributed to the Nazi party. Like, no one at the airport you did. All, all he had to do is just say, I don't have the card anymore. I don't know. In transition, you know, and during the campaign and moving around, I no longer have the card. Over. Done. Or it could be another theory that some overzealous staffer, when asked, and remember the source for this was an unidentified yes. former staffer, yes. someone disgruntled, that an overzealous staffer, when the mayor could not produce the picture, thought they were doing everyone a favor by trying to come up with an old version of the picture. Everyone's being too clever by half with the whole thing. You know who used to do this all the time? When coupons were king, remember, you deliver the newspaper, I would on Wednesday, and women would be waiting outside in their schmatas at 4.30 in the morning with the scissors in their hand to cut out the coupons and then run to the store. So the Chaldeans in Detroit, who the Christian Iraqians, they own all the party stores. So Procter & Gamble, which is the biggest provider of coupons, they're like a country within a country. They have their own police department in Cincinnati. They were noticing the redemption rate for coupons in Detroit was 20%, Baltimore 4%, New York 3%, Miami 2%. How the hell? 20% redemption in Detroit. So they sent their investigators. Again, they have a private police department. And they would see in the back of the party stores they had a family operation. They would be cutting out of the Detroit Free Press, the Detroit News, the coupons. They'd put them under sofas. They'd be jumping on it. They'd throw it in the dryers to give it that (laughs) worn look. And then they would bundle it because it's money. And they would bring it into the wholesalers. And they would make millions. Well, you you know who used to do this? Clara Finkelman, my mom, my grandmother. We used to bring over our coupons because she had had a guy who would exchange for uh, for bananas, I think. I don't know if my mom, Fran, is, is listening. I remember we used to do that. We used to encourage save all of the coupons, whether oh, yeah. we use them or not. Oh, yeah. And then, and then Grandma Clara would she had some deal with her local guy. At bundle. Bo, she, at, she would bundle, and and the guy at Bohacks, I think. Remember Bohack, Bohacks? Oh yeah, Bohack yeah. beer, the cheapest beer imaginable. You couldn't get a buzz unless you drank a whole case. Yeah, all it did was make you urinate. It didn't make <laughs> you drunk at all. <laughs> but but yeah, that that was that was a whole thing. But they didn't need to do. Look, isn't it always the case? You hear about politicians doing dumb things or not just fessing up or whatever it is, and you're like, why do they do such a silly thing? This this reinforces this idea of, like, maybe the mayor doesn't always tell the truth about stuff. Let it go. Let it go, Eric Adams. We have such serious problems in the city. Just let it go. Up next, though, just as I took out the shovel and was ready to bury your Mets, they have become the miracle Mets. There's a heartbeat. Whereas my beloved Yankees are crashing and burning to the Cubbies, 
and there's no end to this descent in sight. It's a Curtis and Anthony Weiner Super Sports Spectacular warming up in the bullpen is uh, the former Westchester County Executive, Rob Ashtorino. He's on from 4 to 5, and then the entertainment cycle starts. Vinny Madugno, old cousin Brucey, Tony Orlando with Dawn till 12 midnight. And then I'm back. That's right, I'm back. Could be your worst nightmare. We'll keep you up to the break of dawn exclusively here at WABC. Versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. Beat the Mets. Beat the Mets. Come on out. And for a long time, teams were beating the Mets. And then all of a sudden, uh, last week, you were almost ready to impale yourself with that shattered Mike Piazza bat against Roger Clemens uh, in the World Series, 2000 Yanks versus Mets. But what a miracle comeback. The polar bear wasn't doing well. He hits one out. He's ready for the home run derby. Well, Francisco Lindor has been the last two games. He's broken some kind of major league record, stolen bases in back-to-back games, triples, two triples in the first three. Let's remember something. The West Coast equivalent to the New York Mets is the San Diego Padres. Yeah. They're in fourth place, seven games down, six games below 500. That they're, you know, but never mind the Mets. I mean, the Mets have won six in a row. I tell you, how did the the Yankees, I mean, they won today, but how did the Yankees win without Judge? Horrible. We've had, I believe, nine left fielders since the start of the season. It has been incredibly bad out in left field. You're right, without Judge. Uh, it's either a home run or nothing. I was listening the other night. On my way back, uh, AOC kept me out of a town hall meeting. Oh, she I wouldn't allow that. me yeah. in in Hunts Point. So I'm listening with Arnold 13. We're in the vehicle, and I'm listening to John Sterling. First inning, Baltimore was at home, Yankees. Uh, uh, opening uh, inning, Baltimore hits. Uh, leadoff hitter hits one down the left field line. John Sterling calls it foul in typical John Sterling way. It was a home run. Uh, he had to come come back and amend it. He's showing you this guy is like going, going, Except gone. Usually is the other way, right? Right. He says it's going, going, caught in the sh- you know shallow left field. Exactly. This one, he foul ball. Oh, it's a home run. <laughs> and then Susan jumps in and has to sort of cover right. for him. But they lost fourteen to one. Baltimore's good this year. They're not a bad yeah. team, but still. And then against the Cubbies, they lost, and now they won today with Cole. But it is a team that lacks any fundamental skills. It's either home run or nothing. And I'm telling you, man, Cashman and Boone got to go. They're, they're gonna, Cashman, they're gonna they're gonna limp into the playoffs. They're gonna be the first. They'll be out in the in the first round. I, I I'm with you. They, they're just not a great. They're not a sound baseball team. We don't know what's gonna happen to Aaron Judge. Will he return this year? Won't he? He's saying he's going to the All-Star game to watch it. It's just a, a team in total free fall where every, the fans can see they don't play fundamental baseball. The New York Mets, to their credit, at least do try. They're getting back on track. They'll steal bases. They'll do a hit and run. They know how to bunt. When's the last time you saw any of that with well, the Yankees? See, the problem with the Yankees is they don't seem to be adapting at all. They don't seem to be adapting at all to, like, there's no no change in their game now that Judge is out. Yep, that's why I say the manager's got to go. He had the best lineup the last few years. He hasn't been able to deliver. And Cashman, 
You think uh, Steinbrenner Jr., it's time to get a new general manager. Well, you want to keep ripping off the fans like you've been doing in Yankee Stadium. Anyway, up next, Rob Astorino.